correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. We're back again, myself and my buddy Steve. Hey, what's up, Steve? And by the way, nice job making it here with no internet. I, I, I really know, appreciate that. I magically waved a wand and uh, pulled some strings and got that fixed. Well, that that's that's wonderful. I, yeah. I, I'm glad because no one wanted to listen to me talk to myself for an hour. Well, we have a guest. Oh, well, yes, that's true. But before would... that, we have a brand new podcast to the network. Yes, we do. A new podcast to the D20 Radio Network would be Table Flip, which um, it's Tyler, formerly from the uh, what the heck was the name of his podcast? Oh, it was the one with the cool New England post-apocalyptic. Genesis actual play and oh um tabletop tales t- yeah I think so yes in any case we had him on a long a while back but it's it's him and uh, Fat Crab who you may have seen some of his work on the Genesis Foundry on Drive Through RPG you might also find him on our Discord regularly yes, yes. <laughs> but they're talking about all the different settings for Genesis be it official ones, ones published on the Foundry, etc., and so on. And if you're looking for them, I believe it's anchor.fm slash tableflip or something like that. I will put a link in the show notes so everyone can find it. Yeah. But they're cool people, and Genesis is a cool game, and that leads us into our guest for this week. Yes. So we have, because it's October and spooky month and all those things, we... um got a hold of the co-author of the Genesis supplement, Hell is Full. So uh, welcome to me and Steve. Scarpy. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks, Thanks for, for taking the time to join us. So, um, yeah, you and uh, Mr. Scott Zumwalt uh, collaborated on this, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, correct. Yep. We both were working on two different projects at the same time. And through um, through some chatting, we decided, hey, let's let's try and meld these both together and see what comes up. And, and that's, that's kind of how we, how we got to this. Very cool. Well, I was going to say just on a skim, it seems like very much a walking deadish setting supplement for Genesis, but amongst one of the other things that I've heard, be it through, you know, you did an interview with the forge a little while ago. Well, well, really close to a year ago now. And so on. It also appears to be, in addition to being a setting in its own, kind of has some guidelines to kind of how to turn up the grit level in Genesis, which I think yes. is also something that bears exploring. Yeah. Um, so Genesis rules as written has always, or ha- hasn't really, with death, our character death isn't really a thing that happens in Genesis. And we wanted to potentially explore that idea. So Scott was working on a kind of a battle royale kind of thing, drop the PCs down on an island and they have to fight and survive their way to some some shelter or escape in a helicopter or what have you. And I was working on The Last of Us, the PlayStation video game. I, I was making a supplement that could work in that setting. And both of those things kind of necess, uh, they kind of have a, a requirement for upping the lethality. And so through some of his additional rules that he was coming up with and through some of my talent ideas we kind of melded them together and then slapped on the the paint job of zombies and and that's kind of where we where we ended up okay yeah because like i i have to admit i'm not the biggest i i have never actually watched an episode of the walking dead Uh, i know many people think it's an amazing show and it falls much into the category for me currently that the whole vampire craze did in the late nineties where it's like, well, if everyone thinks it's that cool, then I'll go find something else to find that I think is cool. And like I said, I don't say that to diminish it in any way. It's just not my thing, but from everything I understand, this is, this is a really cool supplement 
especially in the context, and I think this is the beautiful thing about Genesis, is that it's take it apart and use the pieces your own way if you need to. Yep. Yep. That was that's a that's a really big thing that I love as well about Genesis is you can take something from that somebody made over here and and give it a new paint job or you can you can uh, tweak it and pull this out and add this in and whatever. And, and for the most part, it's kind of a uh, just a plug and play for the most part where you can take what you like from here and put it in over here and then it's good to go. And the additional rules that we came up with for Hell is Full can be put into really anything. It doesn't have to be zombies. It could be a Cthulhu setting or some other non-IP related horror or survival, just to, just the up up the stakes a little bit and create some tension. Yeah, I see you also have some kind of scavenging, scrapping rules, which I think the only other thing I've seen those in was the salvage setting. But I like the fact that yours are kind of a little more mundane, if you will. Yeah, we we didn't we we wanted to do something with scavenging and and salvaging. That's kind of left over from my Last of Us ideas. But we didn't want to make it so much of a, we didn't want to make it a very, uh, we we didn't want to put it in the forefront. We didn't want it to to be the main thing. We just wanted it to kind of in typical Genesis sense, just kind of push it off to the side and we can we can roll with the punches. And, and uh, what Scott was able to do with some of my ideas and then take it into with his expertise of the system, make it so that we only track, I believe it's three uh, separate types of junk or scrap or whatever and then you can use those to create your own weapons or armor or what have you but it 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 cuts down on some of the bookkeeping that you might run into with other with other ways of doing a similar thing and allows you to again on the fly reskin things if you wanted to yeah well like we were having a discussion in a, in a group chat we have going around a star wars game that we're about to start up and I bring it up because narrative dice system, technically, yes, Star Wars and Genesis are slightly different, but the fun, you know, the foundation of the game is very much the same. And I said, you know, I was telling, because I've got two players that have never touched a narrative dice before. And I told them that I said, I feel like this is a system that very much wants to be played to the spirit of the system as opposed to the letters of the system. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, that's how I tend to play games anyway, but it's freeing. But one thing that I think Steve and I have noticed this in some of the Genesis we've gotten to play is that Genesis also breaks down if you aren't careful in defining your setting. Like if you're too loosey-goosey when you set up the game at your, your table and, oh, well, we could use this and that. You're like, you, you do still need to constrain it so that everyone is imagining kind of in the same direction. Sure. You know, and I don't know where I was going with that other than, you know, this, again, just, just skimming through it because I didn't manage to get my hands on it till today, but it, it does feel very focused, you know, like you said about the survival aspects and, and to a certain point, yes, the zombies are front and center, but they're not in another way. You know what I mean? Sure. Yep. You know, I think you could take this and very much go mad max with it very very yep. easily yeah and that was definitely a thing that we wanted to do where many of the talents um the the talents specifically I, I believe there's only one i think there's only one talent that is very specific to zombies or the infected uh quality that we came up with mm -hmm. but for the most part all the other talents are uh you could you could put them in in really any setting to like I said before, up the lethality or make it a little bit more gruesome mm -hmm. to, to pick and choose if you wanted to. So I guess, do you want to get into a little bit then, you know, before we meander on down some other road, what exactly did you guys do to turn up the lethality? Because that's something that I think both Steve and I have interest in for, for other angles of Genesis. Right. So some of the um, optional rules that were included, um, things like, ammo counting so instead of counting individual rounds or individual um how many shots you made or how many bullets you have left over in your bandolier or in your backpack or what have you we came up with rules that i don't want to use the term hand wave but but definitely 
broadly use a narrative brushstroke to create scarcity out of something out of to create scarcity where scarcity may not have been. Um, so the out of ammo rules where you're going to want to bring extra ammo or find some. Um, there's a new headshot rules that increase lethality of headshots. The um, um, kind of a, a, a to sneak up on somebody and, and do extra damage. I think Realms of Terranoth came out with a talent that was kind of like a, a you don't know I'm here, so I'm going to do more damage to you kind of thing. With a sneak attack rule, so to speak. Yes. Um, we we kind of took that and went a different direction with it for unaware targets. Um, and then when we get into the talents, many of them interacted with or altered certain things like crit values in weapons or gave you benefits for for stacking skill ranks. So, for example, there's one called Sting Like a Bee. Obviously, it's a reference to a famous boxer. Um, and it gives you a benefit for your brawl checks. But then if you have three ranks or more, or sorry, start over. It's been a while <laughs> since I looked at this. It gives you benefits for brawl checks. And depending on which weapon you're using, if it already has, in this case, stun, it instead increases that stun rating. So if you're if you're good at brawl checks, this makes it even better mm-hmm. just by taking this talent. Or there's um, uh, if you're a gunslinger, if you have a certain amount of ranks, you can take this talent and makes all of your any weapon, no matter what it is, better. But some weapons are better. <laughs> I especially like the the one tier four the uh, until the handle breaks off, which just kind of you know in break it fully you know it's that just frustrated rage just beating on something until the only thing left is part of the handle yep yep that one in conjunction with a gruesome shot created some very fun interactions in our play test that we did which you can actually find on youtube Ooh, i'll have to go looking for that or you'll have to send me a link i can link in the show notes or something yeah but yeah like i just i like i said i i it's been a while since we did an episode, you know, largely based on Genesis, and I figured it was thematic, and plus, I don't know, it was, you're just a cool person to talk to, so. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, Steve, do you have any more direct questions on this? Um, not direct questions just yet. Okay, because I think kind of more what I, not, again, not to say more, but one of the things I really kind of wanted to pick your brain on was using this and and whatever else to using it to turn up the grit in Genesis because Steve and I have made no secret of the fact you know we're both massive cyberpunk genre fans. I know from having listened to you various other places, interacted with you on discords and so forth, you're a massive Shadow of the Beanstalk fan. Yep. And let's just say and I'll I'll speak only for myself at the moment that I have complicated feelings around Shadow of the Beanstalk as I kind of, for me, cyberpunk is very fast and dirty and gritty and deadly and everything like that. You know, it's, it's the, like I, you know, was introduced to the genre by cyberpunk 2020, which is a notoriously deadly game. I mean, the creator's kind of tagline for himself personally is I'm the guy who killed your cyberpunk character, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that being said, that's not the only take on it. And Shadow of the Beanstalk, to me, is a really, really neat world and setting. But for my taste, it doesn't have as much of the punk in it and that grit and the dirtiness. But when you and I were having a you know a Discord conversation, kind of slightly about this before we went down too deep of a road, you, know, you said you almost view it as kind of post-cyberpunk, which actually tracks and and because i think it's a great i would call it almost a sci-fi setting just i get hung up on the term cyberpunk and i think steve and i have similar feelings in that regard right yeah no there's been plenty of times where i i have talked about cyberpunk the genre and when i am talking about it i have to reference it as cyberpunk little c or cyberpunk the genre because 
if anyone has tried Googling something for cyberpunk, the genre, you're not going to find it because it's just going to be overwhelmed with cyberpunk capital C. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough to find those those other sci-fi punk settings or ideas or or imagery. Right. Right. And I think I, I did mention before I was I was a huge fan of Android Netrunner for the mm-hmm. last 10 years at least. And when Shadow the or when Genesis was announced, they were using images from Android Netrunner. And I just assumed, hey, if there's a chance that I can play in Android, I gotta get this. So that's basically how I got the system was <laughs> was banking on the idea that I'd be able to play in Android. And so that setting, I'm already in love with the setting. And then these rules came along and I'm like, all right, sure, I'll take this. And so I know that Cyberpunk, I've I've played the video game. I never played the old tabletop game. I've played the video game and I've looked into plenty of videos on the the new Cyberpunk Red that we're on now. Is that what mm-hmm. it is? My mm-hmm. okay. That's the newest version, yeah. I've looked into that. I've I've watched some videos on like character creation and what it's all about. And it's and oh, and watching the new Netflix series. And I've realized that I don't think it's for me, which is which is fine. That's that's why we play games, right? I mean, there's there's plenty of ice cream out there for everyone. And Shadow of the Beanstalk just happens to scratch that itch for me. But to kind of loop this all the way back around again, you could take these talents or these rules, these this supplement, and strip off the zombies and put them into Shadow of the Beanstalk. And you've got a much grittier, much more deadly and bloody experience. Well, right. And that was kind of, like I said, you know, because, and for some reason I can't find my copy of Red right now, but I mean, you know, it's around here somewhere. I just don't know where the heck I said it. But yeah, like I think to me, that's what, that's kind of what I really wanted to drill in on was, you know, how to take these things, you know, like you said, be it the, the ammo rule where, because Genesis by the nature of, of what it's designed to do is pretty hand wavy about ammo rules. But in a, a gritty setting, the idea that you have to watch how much ammo you're using is an easy way to do that. And I kind of like what you guys have done, where you're basically saying, we took the old ammo rules, and now they only last for this scene. You have to have more ammo for the next scene. Yeah. Um, without giving away too much, we, we basically wanted to uh, have a way so that you don't, well, I don't, this is going to sound weird. You don't rely on threat happening for ammo to disappear. We just said, hey, it disappears. You used it. And that's one thing about Genesis that's different from other RPGs is that a turn in Genesis might be two seconds. It might be two minutes. It doesn't matter. It's kind of hand wavy. It's narrative, right? So when you take those shots, you might be uh, shooting, reloading, shooting, reloading, shooting all in the same turn. And then the next turn, maybe you just take one or two shots because, you know, the, the camera is only on you for a couple of seconds. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that I know I even still sometimes struggle with, with the narrative system, the narrative dice system is that idea that it, because, you know, I've been playing role playing games on and off since the mid nineties. And it's always, you take your turn and I shoot at that guy. So bang. Well, to the way the narrative dice system does it. I shoot at that guy, but I may be shooting seven, eight times and only hitting him once. And I hit the thing behind him and it goes off. And so I spent advantage because I didn't actually hit him, but I hit the thing behind him and, you know, whatever. And I think that's a, that's something that I, I think a lot of people struggle with is, is kind of wrapping your head around the discrete nature of so much of it. And yet once you grasp that, that's how it works it unlocks so much more. <laughs> I know one of the experiences that I've run into is the players that are new to the system, they'll roll a, a pool of dice, whether it's for an attack or for some sort of check or whatever. And then they'll grab onto the cheat sheet that I had on the table that says how to spend advantage and threat or whatever. And at, at first, when I was first trying to get them to learn, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, look, this is ideas from the from the core rule book. This is what you could do. This is whatever. And now I'm realizing that I'm shifting into, no, put those away. You tell me, like, what what do you think would be cool to happen? I'll say, yeah, I mean, that that's you rolled 
five advantage, cool. You could spend all of them and do this crazy, awesome, spectacular thing. Yeah, it's it's it's, but it is, and maybe you can answer this because I've not yet got to experience this, but I almost feel like Genesis might actually be easier for people who have never role played before to pick up. I don't know if it would be easier for people who have never role played, but definitely who haven't used uh, a vastly popular system. <laughs> I know that a lot of my friends use another another system and coming to this I've I've tried to tried to list off some bullet points like hey here's some selling points that this is this is why it's different than X. This is why it's different than Y. And for the most part, my experience so far has been excitement from those people that I explained to them like, oh, yeah, that is really cool. That's a that's a neat idea. And so it brings new people to the table with definitely looking for a different experience than what they've had before. And the narrative dice system, I believe, does that tenfold because of the non-binary nature of it, where you can fail forward or you can succeed catastrophically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I think, you know, and, and, and look, let's be honest. I mean, D&D is the elephant in the room. Pretty much anyone who's probably listening to this podcast has probably played it before. I have, Steve has, you know, I assume you have. Yep. I got a handful of books down here in the drawer. You know, it's, it is what it is. But I think it has caused many of us to have habits and tendencies and approaches to gaming that Genesis and a lot of other games as well kind of ask you to set by the wayside. And sometimes that can be tough for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know there's been plenty of times where somebody comes to um, the Genesis discord and asks a question. And I, I wouldn't say the root of their question is this, but a lot of helping them understand the answer uh, comes with saying, all right, take what you've learned from this system and just just forget about it for now and just look at this with an open mind because like you said before where it's my turn i roll a die i hit i shoot the guy once or i take one shot or i i let loose an arrow once and like you said that's not how it is with the narrative dice system things can happen it's kind of wishy-washy in time and that can be that can be tough sometimes for for people who are used to something that's a little bit more structured yeah well, and I think that, like I said, that's where, like I said, to the point I made earlier, where I think, especially maybe with newer players, you do need to be, as the GM, you need to define your setting perhaps more than on the surface you think you need to, because you you want the players thinking in the right headspace about the tone, et cetera. Because I know Steve and I were involved in a game that, based on what was communicated to us by the GM, we all had kind of an image of what we thought we were playing. And then we started playing and it was like, oh, well, okay, I get what we're doing, but if this is what we were doing, why did we say we were doing this other thing? And for me, at least that also went to, well, then why are we, and don't get me wrong, I love Genesis, but if this is what we're doing, why aren't we doing this other system that is exactly what you're trying to emulate. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do I want to say this? Like I said, I, I love Genesis. I think it's an amazing game. Almost a year ago, we got to have Jay Little on the show. And just through the course of conversation, Call of Cthulhu came up somehow. And Jay said, he said, look, he said, I think Genesis could do Call of Cthulhu. But I don't know if it could do it as well as Call of Cthulhu does Call of Cthulhu. And I think... As much as, and I'm sure, you know, I'm not terribly active on the Genesis Discord. I am a member. I think Genesis adapts to a multitude of settings much better than, say, 5th edition D&D. But I think sometimes, too, it's just less work if you go get the purpose-built thing for what you're doing. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, if, if, something's, if something's made for the thing you're doing, you're probably... Or you might be better off using the thing that you want to do that thing with, right? Mm -hmm. But Genesis being somewhat of a toolkit, it can be it can be stretched. It can be it can be. I've I've said it 
well, three times now, it can be repainted. It can be, you know, uh, cherry picked for, for rules for this, that, the other. And it doesn't really break the system. Right. With, with when you have an understanding of the, the core, the core purpose of the system. Anyway, if you, if you read through the combat rules for the first time and then say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to change this. I'm going to take this in from over here. I'm going to, maybe that's, maybe that's not the best way of doing it, but if you're having fun, you won, you, you did it. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and I think that's something that also gets lost sometimes by, how do I want to say that those of us who spend perhaps a slightly unhealthy amount of time obsessing over role-playing games (laughs) (laughs) is that we get so fixated on the way that you're supposed to do it that we'd lose a little bit of track of, but if you're not doing it that way and you still have a good time, the whole table has a good time, then you won. Well, and, and I think that's, you know, there's the old term, you lose the forest through the trees, right? You start to focus on the little things and you forget the bigger picture that is, we're here to have a good time. And I think Genesis facilitates having a fantastic time. I, I really Agreed. love the system. I'm definitely excited to play with with the rule set and, and some of the new ideas that you've put out there in, in the book that you and, and Zumwalt put together. I've read over it a little bit, like Steve, and the first thing I skipped to was to look for your, your combat stuff, because I think that's one of the things that Genesis does not do well. <laughs> Sure, I, I can see I, that. I think Genesis Combat is um, slow and uh, plotting at times. And I'm sure I'll have a lot of people come after me and be like, no, Genesis Combat's great. And I'm not saying the system's not good. I'm saying that this one particular thing it does isn't great. And yeah, I, I really, really like the product that you guys put out with, with Hell is Full. I think it's a really cool product. I think that's something that definitely gravitated me towards it. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I, I understand the, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with this thought. <laughs> I lost well, I my think, entire train of thought. I think some of what you're saying though, about the combat is because I find myself in the same place, but every time I sit back and look at the situation afterwards, I find myself having fallen into that thinking about combat, like it's traditional turn-based RPG combat, not the, swirling narrative that is Genesis. And so, yes, in a sense, it's slower, but we're all stuck in that mindset so often of a round is six seconds or three seconds or 15 seconds or, you know, insert whatever from whatever system. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's some of that, but I I still think there's other things that Genesis just doesn't do great as far as combat. And I don't really want to get into the, real nitty gritty details of it fair because i as much as i love sitting and talking about rules i don't think our audience is much interested in us having a 45 minute rule argument (laughs) (laughs) well but i i think it goes to the design of the system you know the whole system was designed to emulate those for lack of a better word fantasy action movie you know it was not designed to emulate miniatures war game combat no and and that's not necessarily even what my issue with it. I, 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 again, it's not even necessarily what my issue with it is. It's more mm-hmm. along the lines of in standard Genesis. And this is why I really like, really like hell is full in standard Genesis. Combat almost has no weight. You can get injured. You can get knocked out, but in most cases, you're not going to get knocked dead. And right. I feel hell is full brings that nice weight that the, the threat of loss of character not necessarily has to be there in every combat, but should be there in an important combat. And and I feel that that's what it does really well. I think the rules as written for character death, I believe, I, it's been a while since I looked them up, but I believe it's basically falling from a ridiculously high height or the GM says so. And that's basically it. Like if you fall below, or sorry, take more wounds than your wound threshold, you just pass out. Right. And if the if the GM says, okay, you pass out and fall down and the guy stabs you in the throat, he could say that, sure. I would hope that they had some sort of conversation with the player saying, hey, this is a possibility rather than just doing it. But right as, Gen- as Genesis is written, that's the only thing that's available. Forgot where, but what my point was, I lost it. It's going around tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, isn't it? 
and and I'm only going by memory because I haven't read it, read it, read it in a while. But isn't it for every point of damage you take below, like once you've exceeded your wound threshold, that counts as a crit, and the stacking rules apply. So you're very quickly going to get to that. What is it? The 150 insta kill crit. Yeah, 151 plus. Yeah. Um, so the- I think that's I think that's true. But it's for every instance of damage after you pass okay. out, I think. So okay. if the GM just continuously shoots you in the chest while you're on the ground, obviously you're going to keep gaining wounds and then continuously rolling crits. But but yeah, no, I I get what you're saying, and it yeah, they're the stakes don't feel as high a lot of times in Genesis combat. But you know, this has a lot of tools to do that, and so I think I think you and I are going to find a lot of users for a lot of this. Oh, yeah, I, I, I've already, like I said, I've already started to really dig into the book. Not not just, you know, life gets in the way of things, but not as much as I'd like to. But I've really started to dig into the book and, and look into some of this stuff. And honestly, I'm debating even running a zombie game. And that's not even my genre of things that I like <laughs> to play. <laughs> but it could be rethemed to, I mean, instead of oh, infected yeah. with a zombie virus, it's like I said, I, I it started as The Last of Us. So if you've played those games, it's yes. a, a yep. fungal infection that turns people into quote-unquote zombie-like creatures. Well, I, I could see this being used while a game that we tried to start playing with a completely different system and then realized that we wanted to use Genesis but didn't have time to put the work into. A lot of these rules work great in like if you want to do like a Jurassic Park 3 scenario. You know, not Jurassic World 3, but Jurassic Park 3. Sure. I watched Jurassic World Dominion the other day, and I'm still confused. Yes. But anyway. <laughs> um, well, what I'll say is, I, I, just as an aside, because it's horror month, I don't know. I, I could absolutely see my friends and my group of players playing a zombie game, and it being maybe less uh, Last of Us or Walking Dead, more Dead Alive. If you've ever heard of that movie, the Peter Jackson movie, 1993. I don't believe I have. It is a horror comedy and it is amazing. Uh, if you can stomach gore, uh, it definitely is worth a checkout. But it is it is freaking hilarious. I've, I just uh, looked it up on IMDb. I know the cover. I've seen that cover, yep. but I yep. don't know anything else beyond that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a zombie movie curse style zombie movie very you know late not early 90s late 80s style peter jackson of all people directed it and uh <laughs> it is hilarious it is one of one of my favorite like of that genre it's one of my favorite movies that and like um uh, shawn of the dead is a good one that's a yeah <laughs> my, <laughs> like, I, my household I can... is a big is a big fan of shawn of the dead and um i'm drawing a blank on the director right now a friend of mine would be very upset. Well, we won't tell it. Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Thank you. Yeah, all of the, uh, what do they call it? The Coronado Trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then World's End, which the World's End is a weird movie. <laughs> well, but you know what, though? The more I'm thinking about this, this is this supplement is so rich because there's so much you can pull, like, like you said, you know, to do a, a zombie-ish thing, but if you wanted to do the day after tomorrow, mm-hmm. or like put this together with Mechasis and do a post, you know, like a Pacific Rim: The Black, the the animated thing that Netflix did, you know, that was was a spinoff of the Pacific Rim series. Yeah, that could be interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's a lot. Like, I I really feel that. And and this just goes out to the listeners. I really feel that if you if you are a fan of Genesis and you haven't picked up Hell is Full, you really need to because it adds a layer to Genesis that just wasn't there before and is actually a fantastic thing to have in, in your toolkit in general, mm-hmm. whether you're interested in horror or not. Because even like you said, with the with the with your ammo counting rules, that adds tension and you could use that for a suspense game. You could use that, you know, not necessarily for a horror game. You could import that into a, a post-apocalyptic game and use your ammo rule set. Mm-hmm. A Western. Or Western or whatever. Any any rule set you could easily transport that over to. So, I, yeah, I, I, 
I really think it's a great supplement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I like it, which is saying <laughs> something considering I liked it in the first place. You guys can keep talking it up. Keep going. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why people like coming on our podcast. Cause we have people on where we <laughs> like the product that they put out. So we like inflate their egos while they're here. <laughs> Are there any final, uh, do, we don't have any uh, Patreon questions. No, we, we, well, it, it sprawled into a discussion much like the one we've just had. Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, so one of the, uh, I'll shout this out. One of the tiers in our Patreon is that you get advanced notice of when we have guests on, when you get that advanced notice, you get to ask our guests questions, but none of our patrons have asked questions today. So I think with that, why don't you go ahead and plug everything and anything you would like to plug Scarpy and we'll move into the next segment of our podcast. Um, I guess for, for plugging purposes, I don't have much going on from myself right now, but I do know that since it's spooky month, Scott Zumwalt just put out a uh, spooky bundle on drive through RPG that you can get. Forgive me, Scott, for not knowing this offhand. You can get something strange, his adventure for something strange. You can get, his uh, magic Xenothrix's guide to magic. You can get the uh, magic items toolbox. Hell, it, hell is full. Expended fear rules. Because I just bought that bundle today because drive through is nice enough to knock down the price based on what you've already bought. Yes, and it, I think uh, drive through is also doing a uh, spooky month sale. So yes. it's not only bundled, it's also on sale. Yeah, I wish I knew off the top of my head. I, that, this will still air in October, so it's to, yeah, it'll yeah, still, be, still active. be active. Well, you've done some other supplements as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Yep. So, um, like we mentioned previously, I'm a big fan of Shadow of the Beanstalk. I took um, all the information, I believe it was 40 or 50 pages, of the city of New Angeles and every district that it has and all the points of interest and blah, 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 and kind of uh, narrowed it down and, and filtered it down into just a, a 13 or 14 page supplement. That's the New Angeles Tour Guide. Not only did I take all that information and, and distill it down, but I also added in rarity modifiers for items bought in that district. They might be more or less rare depending on the district. And then also um, costs of living for each district. So I made that, and then I also made um, the Guru's Guide to Cyber Things, which is a supplement that focuses on taking the hacking aspect of Shadow of the Beanstalk rulebook and kind of extrapolating it and, and using Android Netrunner, the card game, as a lot of influence. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, I think, um, unless you'd like to plug a, any other any of your social or anything for people to follow you at, I don't have much of a social presence, honestly. It's, That's fine. It's, no. it, I'm a mod on Discord. You can find me there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think with that, we're going to go ahead and move into Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! I'll actually go first this week, because I found something that's been sort of fitting my theme as of recently. All right. I have a game that was literally released today, and today is October 17th of 2022, called Gastronomy, and it's G-H-A-S-T-R-O-N-O-M-Y, Gastronomy. Okay. This is a game where you've been hired to help ghosts to the afterlife, and by doing that, you are a team of chefs, and you are trying to obtain and cook a wayward spirit's remaining traces meaning that you're you're trying to get them put back together so that they can find their way to the afterlife to the afterlife and um proper planning teamwork and a little bit of luck you might just get the souls back together before it fades away forever um it's 7.99 on drive through rpg it is uh pdf only it looks really cute because it's got this little like ghost cupcake as its cover <laughs> And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking that is one of the most interesting, unique takes on a, a tabletop RPG I think I've seen in a long time. 
And I could see that leading to a lot of fun, a lot of wholesome fun, and a lot of, you know, you even have deep discussions with that because you could get into some interesting topics. But I'm picturing Cupcake Wars set in a morgue. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm picturing Ratatouille, but everybody's dead. uh but yeah that's that's uh gastronomy (laughs) yeah which is a fantastic name yes it is (laughs) and so whoever would like to go next can go next why don't you go ahead kyle all righty so along with the uh spooky theme sort of i guess some friends of ours came over this past friday and brought with them one of their subscription box games from Hunt a Killer. Um, this is kind of a murder mystery in a box. Uh, the subscription, I, I guess I can't tell you how much the subscriptions are. I, I The last I looked into it, it wasn't on sale or anything, and they were kind of expensive. But um, our friend had bought into it, and she brought over two episodes, so we were able to play them back to back. And it was probably a three or four hour endeavor to to play through and read through all the the clues the production quality on it is amazing they send you a box you open it up as in it and it presents itself as if you were a detective and it gives you all of the evidence that you would need like police reports or pictures from security cameras or even something small like it's set in this city so here's a tourist pamphlet that tells you information about different locations. And essentially, you just dump out everything onto the table. Everyone reads everything, and you try and solve whether it was a murder or where it happened, who did it, kind of this, that, the other. Yeah, it was a fun little experience. If you uh, share the cost or if you uh, wanted to just buy it for a little date night at home or whatever, I, I think it's, I think it's a, great, a great idea. So what was this called again? It is Hunt a Killer. Okay. Their website has a lot of different options to uh, to get. There's Mystery at the Magnolia Gardens, or there's Death Below Deck, or Body on the Boardwalk. Um, I know Target has one of the, uh, has Death at a Dive Bar, which is what my wife and I played before our friends came over. We played that one a, a couple months back, and that one is, obviously, there's a Death at a dive bar and you have to try and solve who who done it and why and uh yeah pr- production quality like i said is really good for the price um and this new uh you can get that one from target where it's just a box it's just uh the whole the whole thing is in one box um and then the subscription models are kind of like episodic so you can do um this episode and then there's i want to say there's three or six episode bundles uh but yeah two thumbs up on those Cool. It sounds like almost like a procedural in a box then. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yep. Yep. I, I'm glad to hear somebody's actually played that in person. I, I've heard it advertised on other podcasts, and I've always been kind of curious about it. I was like, I don't want to invest into this thing to find out it's kind of disappointing. And I'm glad to hear that you're pleasantly surprised or pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think the only thing that I would suggest is that if you were gonna, going to get something like this for like a double date, like four people or more um it might not be enough to sink your teeth into for having multiple people but if there's only two or if you're doing it by yourself i think there's there's a lot of information there where where you can't you can't spread out the responsibility of reading everything and then people kind of talk about all the ideas right but if you have just if it's a solo experience or if it's you and a significant other or just you and a friend or whatever i think i think it's it's a really good it's a good time that's the problem with a lot of mystery things is too many people can make a mystery thing just sort of fizzle out now are just because i'm curious are they like replayable reasonably or are they kind of one and dones these are these are i would say they're one and dones mm-hmm. um some things so far some things are destroyed and by some things i mean an envelope so for the most part I think it would be fine to re-gift or just hand off to a friend or like, hey, we played this, so now you you go. Um, so you could you could reuse it that way, but I, I don't know how much fun you would have unless I mean I have a, I have quite a few um, unlock games or I'm drawing a blank on the other 
the other uh, card game in a box, the other escape room in a box. There's escape room in a box is a brand, but um, I have unlock games and those oh, are yeah. Yeah, just I a deck of cards. And you just flip the first one and it's like, all right, you see these things and you, whatever, you play through this thing. And we've, we've milked those things through multiple groups, even though I know how to solve the things. I'm just there to flip cards and, and help people along, but I'm not going to give anybody answers. And that in and of itself is, is still an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. Before we move on, I, I want to ask you real quick, since you sort of seem like a fan of, of board games and, and procedural board games, have you played Time Stories? I have not, unfortunately. Uh, you got to get your hands on Time Stories. When Time Stories came out, um, I was very, very interested in it. I'm a huge fan of board games. I'm a huge fan of time travel, mm-hmm. like in movies. I mean, obviously, I don't do time travel that you know. <laughs> um, That's what you told me tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to play it and I wanted to, to make some sort of group that would chip in on each episode because the, the expansions that have come out right are, yeah. are different sections of time. So you have this one that's a Victorian. I think there's maybe a dinosaur one. There I is. Could be complete, uh, there's, I could be wrong. There's what, four or five of those. I don't know. Um, and from what I've heard, a lot of people say that it's, a neat experience, but it's not a great board game. If that's what you're into, I guess. I mean, I love just board games for the experience and to have people over right. and at the table. But if you're looking for meaningful mechanics and interesting interactions with the things on the board, you might not enjoy it that much. But I'm I've I really wanted to get into it, and every time that there's a board game sale online. I check for time stories and then I look and I'm like, oh, it's like half off or less. It will never get played. And then mm. a couple of years back, the pandemic hit. So I haven't played next to anything over the last two years or so. Fair, fair. That's rough. I I, uh, I had the lucky experience of playing time stories when it came out. And um, I was very, very happy with that game. And I know just hearing you talk about Hunter Keller, I was like, that would probably sound like it would probably be up your alley. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I recommend if you can at least pick up the base game, a lot of people say, and I can see why they say that you're probably only going to want to play it once. And I say play in sort of the loosest terms. It's a very narrative experience. And yeah, that's sort of what I was also thinking of when you were talking about hunt killer. I was like that. Yeah, that sounds like a narrative sort of narrative ex- experience. So. All right, Steve, what do you got? <laughs> All right. So uh, I have also gone somewhat thematic, both in general topic and in the toolkit. What'd you do? Pick Hell is Full? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Hell is Full. I've heard that's really good. Yeah, yeah so have I, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I, my pick this week is actually not a game at all, but a universal supplement. It is the Dread Thingonomicon. Oh. And what this is, is apparently there was this series for a while called 20 Things. I don't know if it was done via Patreon or a blog or what, but this is essentially all of that compiled into one 476-page volume. And it is, it's as if your campaign features... Abnormal Lesser Undead, Alchemist Laboratories, Ancient Necropolises, Archives and Libraries, Bandits and Brigands, and goes down through a whole paragraph of assorted things, dark and spooky and whatever. I think it's essentially a giant book of, of like tables and prompts. Sounds like my kind of book. It's, I love I mean, tables. The, the PDF is 28 bucks. Mm. They have print-on-demand options. Um, looking at the preview, uh, hang on, let me get in the right window. There we go. Um, yeah, there's stuff like, um, you know, like there's eight pages of abnormal low level undead. Um, you know, there's a section on castles, alchemist laboratories, you know, Hmm. marketplaces, dark caverns, dragon lairs, you know, crypts and catacombs you know, fairs, Ford on the borderlands, just all kinds of 
prompts and tabley thingies. Like I said, I, it, based on the 20 things list, I'm guessing they're, you know, D20 random tables, but that's just me guessing because the uh, preview doesn't go in that far, but it's a you know, system neutral, largely aimed towards fantasy, but let's be honest, you can twist and bend that as need be. Yeah, I think even urban chases, urban events, urban landmarks, urban oddities was in the description. So it seems somewhat universal anyway. Yeah, well, like you said, a little bit of paint, it's something <laughs> else anyway. You know, I mean, merchant caravan. So they're not horse-drawn carts. They're cart-drawn horses. Two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right set of paint. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, like, Again, it's ideas. And sometimes, like, you get stuck in that, I need something cool. Well, you read over a list of things and you go, well, if I combine these two, that's really cool. You know? So, like I said, for, yeah, 20, yeah, PDF's 28 bucks right now. It's from a company called Raging Swan Press. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, look, it's almost 500 pages of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. At the very worst, you could use that when you're having that writer's block. Look, and let's be honest, the Dread Thing Anomicon is just a cool title. Oh no, I, I'd love to have the Dread Thing Anomicon on my on my shelf. I I'm, <laughs> I don't often order things print on demand, and yeah, it's not terrible price, but I might order that print on on demand. Well, no, I mean the print on demand, the hardcover, fifty bucks. Yeah. Now yep. they did say it is. It goes into you know is very explicit about this in the listing. It is only done in black and white, even though. They offer it as a quote-unquote color print, but that's because of the paper quality. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's okay. Um, well, the yeah, artwork's I'm just, solid enough that it doesn't matter. Like, there's a, a, a big, bold header at the bottom, a note about print options. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the artwork is very old school, and based on the company, it looks like they do a lot of OSR stuff, so. Yeah. Very um, cool. Yeah, I thought so. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us today all things um yeah all things pretty much <laughs> <laughs> as always links to everything are in the show notes you can find us anywhere podcasts are found patreon discord facebook twitter you know it's all there uh yep. want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another get out there and play some rpgs yep take care y'all Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.